0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the 40th episode of Law hello. School in Brief. Woo-woo. Lydia, where is that air horn when we need it?
1: Oh, it's in my pocket. <laughs> oh, it's
0: okay. Um, but hello, and welcome to the 40th episode of Law School in Brief. Uh, if you don't know by now, I am one of your co-hosts, Megan, and with me is my other co-host,
1: Lydia, hey. and we have a special guest this week. Cass, who I will now introduce. Bam, 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 um, bam. Love you. Cass, them. friend, musician, fashion icon, rising oh. too well, co president of the Middle Eastern Law Student Association, social chair of Outlaw, and president of WashU's Black Law Students Association, BOLSA. Hey, Cass. Hey. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Super happy to be here. And, be. Cass, you probably don't know this, but I actually talked about you, not by name, in our Q&A episode, episode 20. Someone asked the question of making friends in law school, so let me just, I pulled out the clip, let me oh my god. You asked me about housing. Listen? Yes! Oh, that too! So in episode okay. 5, you featured as well. <laughs> oh, I just foolishly recorded the <laughs> the clip. Well, this is stupid. Wah, <laughs> 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 I literally pulled up my phone to, like, play the thing. Okay, so um, just know that you were given a shout out at minute 1730. Wow. Okay, well we should all maybe do our check-ins for the week. Lydia, why don't you start? Okay, Um, one of my lows is deleting the thing I just deleted, but I've got to get over that. Uh, Oh, my update for the week is that I started my internship. Mm. And I'm just in orientation now. It's going pretty smoothly because when it's remote, it's just, like, a lot of reading and attending webinars. And it's kind of nice to be in a work setting again because I just know when I'm doing well. Like, the feedback is just immediate. And, like, because I have experience in an office, I, I feel more confident compared to being a student. That's my... Internship update. I'll definitely talk about it more once I understand immigration law better. High for the week was probably walking around Tower Grove Park. It's just so beautiful. It's my favorite park in St. Louis. Um, seeing the map of protests in all fifty states, and also seeing pictures from Tiananmen Square, the vigil in Hong Kong, um, and like just. Knowing that that vigil like defied police orders and it has nothing to do with it, what's happening here But it just I don't know when you zoom out a little you're like, oh, yeah Like all across the world there's stuff happening. So that's my update Cass, why don't you go
0: we want to do a cast yeah. sandwich? Okay. Um, <laughs> second
2: week of my internship um, I'm working for the St. Louis County Prosecutor's Office in the Conviction and Incident Review Unit so I'm really, like, you know, wow.
1: I never want to think... Anti- <laughs> I had no idea.
2: Yeah, I'm very anti-prisons, um, jail, whatever you want to call it. But at least, like, in this unit, you know, it um it kind of, um like, audits prosecutorial work, um, possibly exonerating people, which is probably one of the only reasons I would actually do this. But, you know, sometimes I think about working in a prosecutor's office, because you need good people in it. I just... The thought of it makes me cringe, but whatever. Um, (laughs) That is one thing that's been happening to me. And then another thing is that BALSA finally released their statement on George Floyd, which was very tiring. Um, I literally was like, we were working on that for a very long time. And so to finally release that, it's just like a lot of stress has been lifted off. Um, Highs, right? Highs, yeah. 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 Um, My high is actually being able to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I swear I was getting like, no more than like three hours of sleep like having to oh. uh, work on the BALSA statement and like it was one day where I literally was on Zoom for like like six hours straight I was no. like people and I was just like fuck it was just it was wild Um, and it was on a Sunday how crazy is that No.
0: what was that call about was it like law school related internship related BALSA related it was
2: like BALSA related uh, okay yeah, like talking to the rest of the board and then like talking to other people, other organizations, talking to people who had a problem with the shit I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. That'll, that'll be my lows when we get to it. But um but yeah, so yeah, my highs is sleep. That's probably the best. <laughs> it's it's, be.
0: That's a beautiful thing. I'm a huge fan of sleep. <laughs> I've been mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of it lately, at least trying. Um yeah, so I guess my high would be today was my very last class of my one L year. Um yeah, no, oh, Kat, Kat, man. For, for the listeners at home who can't see what's happening, Cass is giving me this very sideways, <laughs> like, how in the world is that true look? Um, well, Elon is a it's a trimester system. So Today was my last class, and next Friday is my last final. So I'm still in this, Ah! still in this. Yeah, Um, Cass, just you. I can't wait to see your facial expressions when you see some of the stuff that's go. When I tell you about some of the stuff that's going on at school right now, Um, but that is my update. So where's my? I have to ask. I'm sorry. Where? Yeah, where's this place at? Uh, North Carolina. Oh. Sounds like. Is there like a lot of terrible white people there. I'm sure. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. <laughs> there are also a lot of good white people, but that doesn't necessarily balance out. Um, I've been I've been disappointed, but we'll get to that because that is also my low. Um, my high though is that I was able to harness all of the legal acumen that I have learned in the last year in this past week and put it to use in real life. Um, So great that you asked. Quick aside, I live in a lovely apartment that I think is very beautiful and my husband thinks is a piece of trash. And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe he's a little right. Um, like for example, the other day we were sitting on our balcony and this woman who is probably no younger than 80 years old, Walked by and screamed up at us on our patio and said, "I used to party in that unit in 1960." And it's like, "Oh shit, okay."
1: That's amazing. Did you? It hasn't. Been, it? I mean, it
0: was it was cool, but it also is evidence that like I don't think it's been clean since that party. So, so, our refrigerator went out on the sometime in the the wee hours between May 30th and the 31st, and. I woke up the next morning, there was water all over our floor, our food had spoiled, and I texted our landlady and said, our fridge is, has shit the bed, it's gone, like, it's like, it's a memory now, and she's, and I was like, I, you know, we need, like, a new fridge, and she also, Cass, you don't, I don't think you know this, but, like, six months ago, our oven was leaking gas for four days before she replaced it, so. mean, oh my god. yeah. So, like, you know, health and human services could have been called a few times, but they weren't. So, anyway, I texted her. I said, the fridge is dead. And she was like, well, you better get a cooler ready. And I was like, okay, first of all, (laughs) your girl has taken contracts. Second of all, she's currently taking property. So watch me use both. So I like pull up our lease and I find Clause 20 and Clause 20 basically says as long as the damage wasn't because of the lessee's misuse or neglect, then it's the lessor's duty to fix it. And so I screenshot Um, that. And then I hit her with like, hey, guess what? I'm withholding rent from you because there's this thing called an implied warranty of habitability. (laughs) That pretty much says if it's a fixture in the apartment, it's your duty to fix it. You sign this document. I sign this document. And guess what? All of a sudden, there was like few days until it was going to be fixed turned into less than 24 hours. And now I have a new fridge. So that is wow. my high. Nice. <laughs> I'd, love,
2: I'd love to see. I never apply law like that, ever.
0: I mean, you never want to have to. But I was like, yeah. you know, I've been in situations like this before with like kind of crappy landlords. And I never, I like knew, I, I kind of knew in the abstract that tenant rights were a thing, but I never knew what they were, much less what a lessor or a lessee was. And now it's like, I know. So I'm coming for you. And that's my point. Anywho, that was my high. Oh,
1: that's, <laughs> that's amazing. amazing. <laughs> um
0: But yeah, I mean, like low, just, you know, um, Cass, this will be my, your, perhaps your introduction to... Uh, the pitfalls of Elon's third trimester. But basically, uh, at COVID hit during the last week of our winter trimester, so right before we went on spring break, meaning administration had made the decision to do our spring trimester, a 10-week kind of condensed semester uh, on a graded curve, the way that the 1L curve continues to punish people at the lower end. However, at Elon, unlike at Wash U, the lowest portion of our class gets dropped at the end of the year. So if you have under a 2.25 GPA, you get academically dismissed. And on top of that, the uh-huh. 1L graded median like the, the, the grading curve median is either a B minus, which amounts to a 2.67, I think, or a B, which is a 3.0. So really there's not a lot of leeway there. So my low is the fact that we are continued we are continually being graded on a curve that I think, in my opinion, and I think truthfully, really, really disproportionately affects people who are disadvantaged by online learning um, and just, like, the racial inequities that are happening. I mean, every day, but, like, being highlighted right now. So we'll get into that, but it is a cluster fuck. if I do say so myself.
2: Um, do you know what um, percentage of um, people at your school is Black or people of color? Ideally Black, but.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I actually am going to pull that up because my husband asked me that question earlier today. And I can tell you that in our orientation this year, the administration really like harped on the fact that we had a super diverse student body. And so I'm going to look this up right now while you all begin talking so I can work with that number tangibly. um, Because I just think it is an injustice. Yeah, WashU does that too.
2: It's like, oh, we have so many Black people, and it's like, okay, twenty. Come on, do better. Um, right. Like technically, fifteen percent, but it's just like that's not actually a lot of Black people. Once you look at the actual number instead of just telling us the percentage, but you know, whatever. Um, so Lowe's. Um, I think for low Lowe's for me is like the critiques I've received from other Black people at WashU. Um. Because I really care about what black people say. Um, I really do. And so I felt like a lot of the critiques I received was not fair. Um, I had some people that were like, well, if you said that to Luke, Luke is our student body president, by the way. Um, Mm. So they were like, well, if you said that to him, you had no right to say that to him. You sound like a hypocrite. And it's just like, he's our student body president. Like I should be able to critique him and, say, hey, you should. this is what you should do as a student body president. And for me, I guess a lot of it felt like it was more of like, I'm going to defend him because he's my friend, not even regardless of whether he was right or wrong. And then just like a lot of like little drama, like it was this one girl and I'm not going to name her name, but I kind of hope she's listening. But it was this one girl (laughs) who defended her white boyfriend after other white people got on his ass, rightfully so, because he tried to ask Balsa like, hey, when you're gonna release a statement everybody's like you cannot ask black people when they're gonna comment on something that's happening to them and she instead of like and and then she defended him because because i guess she put him up to it and she was a black girl and i was just like are you And so she she went in direction to air boss's dirty laundry to try to defend him and i thought it was just dirty it was just that like we like the Other people felt like we weren't being transparent, and it was just like we have nothing to tell y'all. Like I can't tell you every single move that we make, and so it was just nothing substantial to tell them. Tell them at the moment, and so that was just like really disheartening because it's like I'm just an significant other, but to come to like his rescue to throw and and then throw people other people under the bus in order to do that, it was just very like. I'm just like, man, who you really with? You know what I'm saying? Like, this cause is bigger than, like, your... I'm not going to say your relationship, but your relationship. It's bigger than that. And, like, to do that just because, you know, you didn't agree with something that uh, we did, it was just... It was just really disheartening. And, um, you know, she later apologized, but I really don't accept her apology because at this point, it's like, fuck you, to be honest. But hope, hope, maybe she shouldn't hear this.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh <God>. But, uh... <laughs> um yeah I guess that was my uh that was my low yeah I just you know sometimes it just feels like a crab in a barrel thing with black people and it's very sad can you what what is that analogy I'm not I'm unfamiliar I had also
1: never heard of that (laughs)
2: well I guess so if you put crabs in a barrel they're gonna like pull each other down to try to get out the barrel oh so that's the, the analogy so like it's almost like we're pulling each other down just to try to get out the barrel but um
0: yeah damn that's vivid
2: yeah,
1: I don't have any low to contribute. I just put in the, in our outline low the police.
0: That is low. Amen. A forever, forever low.
1: <laughs>
2: it's a centuries low. Yes, I agree.
1: Well, our theme for the week, which I mean, everything we just talked about on our lows, I mean, we're going to expand on. So, um, this episode we're talking about what we can do specifically in our role as law students um, in the fight against white white supremacy. Wow, why couldn't I even say that? Um, (laughs) And towards black liberation. So yeah, we have a lot of different ideas here. Does anybody wanna like go first? Shout out the first thing. Or maybe I could do the caveat that like law students are humans. So at the baseline level, we as law students should be doing what everyone's doing, protesting, Donating, signing petitions, and then for white students, you know, challenging their white peers and family, listening, reading, refraining from processing the news with their black classmates. That seems like baseline stuff to me.
0: I I agree. I mean, so actually, um, this isn't on the list, or it kind of is, but um, this week I had become very frustrated with the silence of my white peers at, in law school um, and I'm, I mean like there are some contributing factors to this of course like I'm not on social media so I don't know what they're saying on Facebook mm. but I can see what's going on on group me and it was a lot of apologizing it was a lot of I'm sorry I, I can't imagine what you're going through how can I help and I feel like that's like, a trap that a lot of white people fall into is asking their black peers and their peers of color, like, what they can do, but it's, like, all right, I need you to understand they're already doing so much other stuff, like, answering your questions is, like, not the way, not the way to go about this, um, so, actually, I wrote this letter, uh, and Lydia, uh, helped me edit it because I was very emotional. And so I was like, I need an objective third party to read this letter and tell me um, if it sounds crazy. And initially I'd written it just to kind of like get it off my chest. But then I ended up sending it out to the group me, the one I'll group me at Elon. Um, and then I got a lot of positive feedback uh, and encouragement. You describe to- the letter? So yeah, the letter, the letter, it was titled... Um, an open letter to my white classmates and colleagues. And basically it was explaining how, so for the people that have listened to this podcast since the beginning, or even in the last five or six episodes, uh, you'll understand this. So I apologize, cause I am gonna repeat myself a little bit, but um, Elon has decided to move ahead with the 1L grading curve for this spring trimester. Um, they made that decision when the COVID pandemic had already like made its hit in the US. And I think anybody with half a brain understood kind of the trajectory of what was going to happen with this virus. And so from the very beginning, I and a bunch of my classmates felt very strongly that moving to an online learning platform and also grading people on a curve that was designed to drop people below a 2.25 GPA at the end of the 1L year was going to disadvantage folks who like for whatever reason maybe don't have great internet connection have to also contend with schooling their children at home um, things like that and that felt like a huge disadvantage how can we be graded against people who are up against so many other barriers than we are so that was one thing but then all of this with George Floyd happened, and all of a sudden it was like, okay, what could make you stop grading us against each other? Because like this has just highlighted all of the inequity in the grading system that is like so ugly. I mean, it makes like law school grading curves even uglier than they really truly are. So in this open letter to my fellow white classmates, I said, we have privilege in the ability to like turn news media off and decide whether or not we want to engage in politics. But that is a fallacy because like, it's implicit white supremacy. Like you being able to make the decision is not something that is available to everybody. And so if we are going to be graded against our classmates of color, the idea that we could get a better GPA than they could because we are less affected by the current state of the world than they are is disgusting. And I think that like white students should show solidarity and like show up and like give huge chunks of their time this weekend when our finals are admittedly within the next seven days to go out and like protest or like make calls or like make donations. Um, And I sent that out, and I got a lot of great feedback from students all over the board, and I sent it to all of our deans, and I sent it to my professors, and we will see what happens, but it's just been really disappointing. It took Elon, for as much as I like Elon, it took them a long time to respond to, they haven't even responded to my emails, but like responded to what's going on in the world. And it's, the silence is kind of deafening in that way.
1: Yeah, that falls under the category of, like, challenging, like, as a law student, just challenging, like, our administration, and I would love to hear Cass, like, Cass's list of demands.
0: Ooh, yes.
1: Or whatever you, whatever you want to talk about, Cass, about, like, dealing with the administration at our school.
2: Yeah, um, so, so this all started, I'm gonna give y'all a little background, this all started because I was upset at, like, this was, like, maybe... Three, four days, three days after um, George Floyd was killed, so maybe like a Wednesday or Thursday, and I was just up at like three o'clock in the morning. I was mad, so like me, like that's that's when I'm most productive, and so I'm like up at three o'clock in the morning typing, and so I'm like, you know what, I'm finna send all the administration a letter, and it was just on my behalf, it wasn't on boss's behalf, and so I was just like, I'm disgusted by y'all because y'all putting out prosecutors who don't even know the black experience, like how could y'all say y'all care about all these things when y'all don't even teach race-based classes? And Mm -hmm. y'all know y'all got some racist people in this school, so why y'all disregard that? Like, I'm just going crazy on them. And so that's what started this whole conversation, kind of. And so I guess for me is that, like, Lily, you know, I'm pretty, like, I'm not going to say loud, but I'm very uh, blunt, I think. And I guess I'm to the point where I don't really care who I offend. And... Because if you are offended, you're probably part of the problem most likely. And so um I think at this point I'm no longer gonna be passive with talking to administration. Um and so I guess for me, like the things that like bug me the most about the administration is that like so our most of our administration is just a whole bunch of white folks. And so I believe there's one black person, which is our vice dean, and she's over academics, and I think she might be the one black person in, um, in administration. And then, you know, there's a lot of white women, which, um, sometimes white women run me the wrong way. I have to say a lot of times. Um, and so I think for them, it's just like, like they kind of mean good. I'm throwing up air quotes, by the way, everyone. I don't know. You- <laughs> <Very good. laughs> um, I think they mean good, but it's just like, It's just, like, not wanting to actually talk about the issue or just pretending, like, well, I don't know how to talk about it, so let's not talk about it. And, you know, we get that a lot. And so at this point, I guess I'm just, like, I don't care how you think you feel about talking about this. Like, either we're going to talk about it aggressively or I'm going to keep going in on y'all because there's nothing else to do. Because even, like, just being in, like, criminal law class, and I really enjoyed my professor, but she would just glaze over race. And I was just, like... You cannot go over race in criminal law. Like, that's not possible. Right. And I used to get so frustrated because it's just, like, if we're not, like, low-key talking about race, like, damn near every day, then, like, I feel like you're not actually talking about criminal law correctly. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I felt. And so I think for dealing with administration, I think the best thing to do is be aggressive. And so going to the points on the list of demands that Boston put out, um, one of our points is to completely or partially divest from police. Um, unfortunately, that's not just something the law school has to deal with. So that has to be like a broader conversation with the entire with the entire WashU community. And so we we're working on that. But the law school specific things, which was um, have like a committee of students and faculty to develop like a new curriculum, and then also have like a mandatory training for one uh, Ls as far as cultural competency and implicit bias. And so I think at this point they have no choice because they can't claim budget or not enough money. Cause our school loves to do that. Like, Oh, it's not in a budget. And it's just like, your professors are salaried. So no such thing as not in the budget at this point. And so I think at this point, like, and all the organizations have signed on. So I believe every organization beside like two or three and one of them is FedSoc.
1: Okay. So I was going to be like, they, they
2: signed? Not. No, FedSoc did not sign. Oh. Wait, what? what's FedSoc? I'm so sorry. Federalist Society.
0: I would have guessed that, but okay.
2: (laughs) Um, So almost every organization signed on. So at this point, they really have no choice because basically everyone's supporting it. So, I mean, I think their hands are tied at this point. And so, I mean, I think what we're going to do is just stay on their ass, um, keep pushing them. I feel like that's all you can do with administration and just have a powerful group of people behind you. And so, I mean, I don't know. I hope you have a coalition behind you
0: of people. You know, so that so I actually right before this this podcast recording had a virtual happy hour with um, our property class and our professor for property is awesome. She's like, I don't want to put words in her mouth. This is I, I will say to the listeners, this is my interpretation of her, but she seems very much like down with the establishment and. Um, You know she's a non-black person of color so she and, and she's been so great with like being very lenient this trimester being very vocal against the administration's policies but she said to us that the best way that we can kind of like make like kind of like muscle the 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 administration into kind of bending to our our needs and asks is by tapping into the tenured faculty members and and really like leaning on them because they have a lot of sway so Cass that actually made me uh think of a question I wanted to ask you which is and perhaps Lydia too do do y'all like feel supported by faculty members or does it feel very much like a students against faculty and admin situation um I think so we had a meeting
2: today with um the faculty and from that meeting I feel supported um, the thing that like kind of bugs me about why she was, I feel like they almost just like jump on the bandwagon a lot. Like, I don't know if it's truly because they want to support us or because they're like, all right, this is the way we got to do it because everybody else is doing it. But I will say that I do feel supported. I think they're really about it. Um, but like I said, I think that they have no choice. I think that's where it's coming from They're like, 'Cause I will say, you know, I hear this from other people that Washu hasn't had really any real like activism going on in like maybe like ten years and I think our class from what I hear, people say our class is very like we just seem like a class of activists or something. And so I think our class is calling a lot of up causing a lot of uproar and so I think they realize that they have to do something or it's just not we're not gonna shut up. And so I do appreciate that. Like I say, you know, even though we got some bad apples, I'd be like, man, we got some good white people, I have to say. Like, I'd I'm, be I'm surprised <laughs> sometimes. I'd be like, damn, these white people be coming through, and, like, I appreciate that, because I'd I be so tired of speaking, like, shit, like, and then it'd be white people, like, saying what needs to be said, and sometimes that is what gets other white people better, and so I just, like, appreciate something simple like that, and yeah, but like I said, I do think it's more collaborative effort right now, um... But like I said, I just I just feel like it just comes from the fact that they have no choice more so than anything, which is kind of upset. But right, whatever makes you do it, I don't really care at this point.
1: Right. I like that we're kind of like creating this culture right now, right before the new class of students comes in. Because if they're walking into like a culture of activism, it's just much easier to get plugged in than kind of what our class did by doing these things. But Megan, I, I actually haven't really reach out to a lot of teachers. I haven't thought about that. So that's really good advice.
0: Not my advice. Thank you, Professor Elsa Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like she said that to me and I immediately emailed the letter that I had written to my white classmates to the professors that I had this trimester. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if they're, if, if they're going into like a faculty meeting, I want mm-hmm. them to like hear what it is we have to say. Um, and I by no means speak for the majority. Um, but I, I do speak well, I speak for myself. and by by the feedback that I got from a lot of my classmates, then like this could be I could be echoing like a sentiment that is felt by a lot of folks. So, we did you did you reach out to only your professors or the entire faculty and staff? Just my professors um, and then the deans of the law school. So, like, the four different deans and then the, the professors I had this trimester.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um I recommend you reach
2: out to everyone. I did that. <laughs> and it was it took me an hour because I had to manually like, look up every single... Whoa. One I but I recommended. it. Um, I've got a lot of positive feedback. Um, I got a lot of people like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, like, start thinking about how I can talk about race more in my class. And so... And I even got professors like, oh, this is so powerful. People I don't know either. And so they're like, this is so powerful. Like, I want to post this on Facebook, um, all of that. And so I recommend sending it out to everyone if you're comfortable okay. But yeah, just one of my recommendations.
0: You know yeah. what? I'll take it. It's happening. The minute we're done recording, I will do that.
1: Yes. There's one more thing I thought of for um, things to talk about with the administration. I saw a petition being sent around from one of the editors at the law review regarding someone who uh, is racist that I don't actually understand how law review works. Like I think the administration (laughs) had put them in touch with, I don't know. Anyways, law review was like, we don't want to publish this person, but I guess they didn't have the full authority to just cut the piece. They needed an administration to Mm -hmm. be involved. And it's like, yeah, we should definitely not be giving our like, publications like well, I can't speak today but you understand what I mean.
0: Yeah no airtime to people that are yeah. like overtly racist.
1: Yeah at minimum. Yeah seems kind
0: of like a no-brainer but you would be surprised in law school how people would be willing to make like a, a constitutional right to free speech argument for that kind of bullshit. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah I don't know much about it because I didn't even do fucking right on because I'm like I'm not gonna put in all that labor for what but <laughs> um, fair. Fair. um, but I know that I know that, you know, uh Law Review has been it has very little uh people of color representation, specifically black people, and this has like been like a long like this is not just the first year or anything and so I know what Law Review is trying to do is get people women of color in the Balsa um like like on the calls even if we're not part of Law Review and so I love that. Yeah, I'll be sure to update y'all once I know more. But I really, I really don't know a lot, just because I have no clue how fucking law review works. So,
0: I love that. But I also like, there's this weird piece of me that's a little frustrated. Like they're asking for your labor without like you being able to put your name on law review. Does that make sense, or am I like completely misinterpreting this situation? No,
2: I agree. Somebody um, brought up the good point of like tokenism. Um, right. I mean, I completely agree but I think I think what black people are used to is having to do shit like that, and it it's a very unfortunate reality of not just America but the world. And so I mean, I think it's part of that it might be part of that labor we have to do if we want shit to happen unfortunately, so, but I don't know. I really don't know shit about it, to be honest,' like I said, but I, that's just a little glimpse of like what I've received from emails
0: is that right It should be like a collaborative effort. That's actually, so So a bunch of Elon students, I I don't know who wrote this document, to be honest, but about 200, maybe 150 to 200 law students signed off on this document and sent it over to all the faculty and staff in the last few days, um, and they had a list of demands. And Cass, what you just kind of said reminded me of one of the pieces of the demands, and it was that, they hire a director of diversity, equity, and inclusion devoted and trained to address issues, which would kind of, I think that was like an effort to like take the load off of the students of color to have to be like the teachers all the time. Like they're the ones who are always having to explain to people how to be inclusive and like what all of that looks like and means. Do you kind of experience that? And it sounds like you experienced that at WashU.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, part of me understands that that's going to happen just because of, you know, being part of the Black Law Student Association, but it, like I said, it gets really tiring, but like I said, I'm very thankful because there are a lot of white allies that are with the kids quite, a, I mean, apparently, and so, um, I'm very thankful for that. I don't know how Elon is, I don't know, you seem like a white ally, um, so, I don't, I would don't know, know. you there is, but... I mean, that's one thing to make it easier, but I yeah, I mean, it's getting frustrating having to speak for the entire black community at WashU. It's very frustrating Um, because I don't, I mean, we all, you know, we all have very, you know, there's no monolithic experience, and so it's very weird speaking for the black community, but um, you know, I try to do my best just because um, I've experienced a lot of stuff that pertains to, you know, blackness, and so that's what makes me so, like, like, to be honest, quite frankly, you guys. I'm, I don't really care to be a lawyer.
0: Um, so you're like, in the
1: right podcast. <laughs> this, is, this
0: is the right place for you, Cass, because <laughs> oh, you're I, talking to two people who are like, do we do this still? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get the degree, but i like, do I really yeah. want to practice law or do I just want the knowledge so I can help others? Um, yes,
1: yes.
0: I mean, if that's not the tagline of this podcast, I don't know <laughs> what it is. <laughs> So,
2: yeah, as someone who, like, don't want to actually, like, have to practice law for, like, my livelihood, um, I just, I guess I'm at the point where, like, I understand blackness. And it's crazy because, like, all the experiences that I've had that made me understand like my type of blackness has been, like, negative experience, quite frankly. Like, I got robbed at gunpoint and by a black person. And you would think that type of experience would make you, like, feel negative towards black folks but then it just for some reason it just like lit a fire under my ass because I'm just like I'm not gonna blame like my black peers for that because it's just like there's a lot of systematic issues that that quite frankly make people rob people you know and some people are bad people let me like I'm not gonna pretend like there aren't like quite a quote unquote bad black people but I like to think that people wouldn't just rob people at gunpoint if there wasn't like some type of like survival issue going on and so it's just like what makes people do that and so I look at that as the broader issue and less about individual actions and so that type of thing has made me realize like okay I need to do something like I need some knowledge that most people don't have and I think law is probably outside of like medical but how would I do medical come on um
1: so I think law it does that
2: for me and
0: I don't know how I got on this tangent, y'all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just be talking. Do not apologize. <laughs> All this podcast is is, is tangent,
1: <laughs> really. 40%. <laughs> just 40. <40%. laughs> uh, well, I could take us outside of the school context and we could think about um, just like as law students regardless of if we want to become lawyers, we do have this like kind of skill set and understanding now, so um I attended a training yesterday or an info session rather with the ACLU to be a legal observer. And I thought it was really cool. You don't even have to be a law student, but you know, if your inclination is towards like being involved in some kind of legal process around protests, um, they do need people to be observing when officers cover their badges, when they are abusing protesters, um, documenting arrests and, um, then like that, that documentation could be used by the ACLU. Um, and that's a very, I had never heard of that type of volunteering before, but it seemed I wanted to add that to the list. And also being um, like a hotline volunteer for the National Lawyers Guild or anyone who goes to protest should know that they should write like phone numbers on their body in Sharpie um, for like, if their phones are taken away and they need to call a lawyer well, mm-hmm. you can be on the other end of that call um, helping to triage that. So I those are legal-ish. Yeah.
2: For those to show you, everyone's role in this is different. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. understand that, you know, you don't have to be the person protesting necessarily to, pay, to play a significant role in mm-hmm. what you think is the revolution, hopefully,
0: maybe. Yes. Wait, so can I... I I need to ask a technical question here Um, as a person who is planning on attending a protest on Sunday. um, Let's say I had a classmate who wanted to participate, but didn't have the ability to go to the protest, this protest on Sunday. Where could they access this um, like hotline training so that they could be on the other end of the call? If I were to, you know, write the phone number in sharpie on my arm and then have to call like a a legal hotline, like how could how could they
1: access those services? If you go to NLG, which is for National Lawyers Guild, okay. Dot org slash Mass Defense Program that's the list of phone numbers in like many big cities. I don't know if there's one for Greensboro, but, and I also am not sure if they'd be able to be trained before Sunday, okay. but the National Lawyers Guild would be the place to go. Great, thanks Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I guess just, Going back to school slash outside of school, but the career search and the career office and networking, all of these things we can have um, anti-white supremacy, pro-black liberation in mind when we're doing, when we're thinking about what we're going to do with our law degree and avoiding workplaces with bad practices um, and supporting or like proactively applying to firms that have good practices like um this minnesota firm that is no longer cooperating with prosecutors they're, sorry guests i know you're working for them but um no jeremy i
2: think jeremy <laughs> sent us that email today i think it's oh, really working for i forgot the name but he sent us the email about how they're no longer um cooperating with them so
1: yeah
0: yeah,
2: yeah that's cool, cool.
0: Lydia, was it you who was telling me that they had like a friend who's moving out of their apartment because their landlord, something about protesting? Am I tripping? Yeah. That was you. Okay.
1: So, um, another thing on the list would be to use your money. Not that we have jobs yet, (laughs) um, but we still spend money as law students and, um, you can shop. At black owned businesses, restaurants, and avoid or like divest from businesses that are just like showing their racist stripes right now. Like, maybe that's one benefit of social media is like you can see how different companies are reacting to this. But yeah, I have a friend who's not renewing her lease because the building management sent out an email telling folks, like, recommending that folks not join in the protests and um, telling them they should call the police on protesters because of. (laughs) civil unrest or whatever and that is just completely (laughs) not what a landlord is there for and like why like for me rent is like my biggest expense of the month like why would i give them money to send me send my neighbors emails telling us not to protest like no so anyways i I was like yeah good for her for not renewing her lease like that place this is a law student
0: just curious yeah oh that's cool i know also, what landlord, surely, like, probably a white landlord of a imagined, but, like, what landlord is like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah. tell my tenants how to live their lives.
1: Oh, my God. This is a huge unit, too. It's a lot of people receive this email.
0: I'm oh, like, so ugly. This. I would move out, and as I was moving out, I would, like, put a sign on, like, the hallway door of every floor about why I was moving out. Yeah. Also, give them shitty. Ooh, reviews I like that. Online. What was that, Cass? Say, so give them oh, shitty God. reviews online too. Oh yeah, smear them on the Google review. Yeah. Because yes. people I, read those. Yeah, I look at this. I'm like, oh what? Okay, <laughs> so,
2: <you're> so <laughs> no.
0: In a previous episode, I read the Google reviews for the Guilford County Jail, <laughs> it's like, who is writing a Google review for this? But also, thank you for writing a Google review for this. I'm sure it was not great. <laughs> Actually, uh, they, they had great things to say, which just really, it makes you wonder who is writing these Google reviews. Like the, what is it, the warden? Surely him. No. It was like, from what I remember, the, the, the Google review that stood out was, said, um, if you're going to be incarcerated, this is the place to be. It's like, okay. oh, very good. I'll keep that in mind for the next time. could <laughs> crime in our
1: jurisdiction. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. That's true. right well we also have these legal skills that like can be used for lobbying and political measures which I know Megan you've like thought about lobbying and I kind of want to hear Cass's take on this based on uh political party idea she mentioned
2: yeah um so one of my dreams is to be a politician low-key
1: yes
2: that's gonna work for me just because like I feel like I don't know, I think people have a set idea of who they want to vote for, at least visually. And I feel like I don't have that visual mainly. I know you're like, what? But it's like, I have tattoos, like piercings and and I, I think- pride myself on showing all of these things as much as possible. I like to think that politics of the future will favor those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You would think anything would go considering who's our president. But, right. um, you know, as a dark skinned black woman, Probably gonna be a little more critical of me, but you know, we will see. Um, but yeah, uh, so I believe that black people should, in our allies, we should create our own political party because when you really think about it, um, the democrats take advantage of us, absolutely. Yes, and so with that being, and then for that, I feel like it's to the point where Repu- republicans don't care to even try to get our vote. Because they know it was, it's going to go to the Democrats. And so I think black people are the um, the largest voting block. So don't quote me. But I believe it's like around 90% really? of black people vote Democrat. Please don't quote me. I haven't looked at the statistic in a really long time. But it's, it's over 90%, I'm very sure. And so um, that's a really large group of people to vote the same way. And so I think that if we create our own political party... You know, we probably wouldn't win any national elections when it comes to, like, presidency, but we could really take over local governments. And so, which is, you know, that matters a ton. So matters a lot. Yeah. And so, I think if we take, if we do that, then, okay, we have, like, our own agenda. And when it comes to national, at least we can kind of barter our vote. Like, okay, if you do this, we'll vote for you, Democrats or Republicans or Independents or whatever the fuck else exists. And so I believe that it'll be a good system because the two-party system is not it. I don't think it's it. Agreed. Mm, Clearly not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not (laughs) Not working. Uh Uh-huh. And so, you know, I don't... I have, like, a lot of great ideas, and it's just, like, I don't know how to get those ideas moving. And I think that's one of my biggest um, weaknesses. Um, So, like, I mean, I am an idea person. And so I love to find people who can, like, actually cultivate my ideas. But... um, so I think if we did that, we would have a lot more power, especially in big cities, because black people, we have a huge population in bigger cities and we have a good ally base. And so I think we would really be able to get shit done if we just create our own party.
0: I want to know this like this. This is such an interesting and cool idea. I want to know how political parties get started now. That's like the, that's the on the forefront of my brain. Like how do how how can we make cast 2030 happen is well, my question I hate to be president are you talking about president <laughs> i'm talking about whatever you're lecture. talking about that's not an election <laughs> whatever <laughs> you are talking about is uh, what i'm talking about
2: <laughs> <laughs> no i like to think I mean, unfortunately i think my biggest downfall as far as like being able to do shit is that i hate social media and social hmm. media is so important like i don't know how to use this shit. i barely know how to use my computer uh,
1: well yeah, if joe biden could figure out how to use manager, social media I mean, I mean, i'm sure you would hire someone
2: <laughs> yeah, but I'm broke, Lydia, so.
1: <laughs> oh, that's where the fundraising comes in.
2: Yeah. yeah. True, that, true that. Um, <laughs> I forgot about fundraising. Um, Yeah, I think, so, like, for me, I know personally, like, I always think about going back to Chicago and running for, like, alderman or something. And you guys, yeah. I have to say, I don't know who's going to hear this. You know, I don't even want to say it on air.
1: <laughs> okay, that's well, my, no pressure, but no, I'm my, curious. My wife's here. Oh my
2: god! I don't know what to say. Um, I can't even tell y'all. But wait, are you I typing? You told us, us your weakness it's and it's your, it's your it's biggest
0: it's fear. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's oh, wow, fair enough. Sorry, listeners. That's fair enough. Bad sorry, bad. listeners. But you know <laughs> what? Can I, without revealing at all what you said, I will also say that whenever somebody has suggested to me that I run for political office. I will just say straight back to them, you don't know what I put on Facebook. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I was young when Facebook was young. I was there right at the beginning before we understood how it just kind of like never goes away. <laughs> yeah. So there's that.
2: But I will say, uh, no face in all of them, I have to say. so. Maybe- <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, that's good. I'm very body positive, so i just be like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that's like my worst fear. I think that we're really like, uh, but it shouldn't though. Like, to be honest, I should be able to send nudes if I want to. That's
1: right. <laughs> you know, but. But
2: yeah, free speech. Yeah. But yeah. that's where like it works. But, um, you know, I think. Like, when you think about the big cities like Chicago, if we were to create our own political party, and i like to think that Chicago, there's a lot of allies, and I definitely think we could, like, do a 50%, we can get over a 50% vote for some things, you know? For, like, mayor. And, you know, Chicago, we have have our first black um, mayor, and she's part of the LGBT community. She's a woman also. And so, you know, it's things like that. We could keep doing things like that and moving towards the right direction. Granted, everybody doesn't like her, and... I don't really have too much of an opinion on her, but I mean, especially, like I say, these big cities, we could really get something um, jumping, as I like to say. That's right. But um, yeah, it's just one of my ideas. I haven't brainstormed a lot about it. I know other people have um, the same idea, but I think, I just, I don't know why, I think it would be very hard for some reason. Cause I think, like I had this huge debate with my mom about voting for Joe Biden. And I was just like, the fuck would you vote for Joe Biden? And I'm, like, arguing with my parents. I'm like, this man is terrible. I was like, he, like, why wouldn't you vote for Bernie? And, like, like I think, and this is, I think this happens with a lot of, like, older black people is that, like, they are very um, moderate at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. They don't like to, you know, they don't like to really cause a lot of uproar. And so, like, my mom, for instance, she's very, like, a pass. she's a passive lady, I have to say. Oh, my God, I think she's going to listen. Ox. Shout out to
1: Cass's mom.
2: And by Cass's mom, like, she just doesn't... Like, my mom, she's not... Like, she doesn't want to cause any, like, drama or turbulence mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, politically at least. And so, I think people... Like, we get into the habit of voting for someone that just seems like the status quo. And so, with that being said, I think it would be very hard to shift people to a whole nother political party, especially if it seems remotely radical. And so... I think that'd be the biggest hurdle trying to like um, create a, um, you know, like a black party, black political party, but maybe with this.
0: But I I wonder kind of though too, is that a generational thing? Like not to be morbid about it, but you know, when we are our parents age, perhaps, you know, the generation, like generation Z and the ones to come from that, like we will comparatively seem moderate, but we are not at all. And that would kind of enable us to do something like, or for, for black folks to create like a a black party. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um,
2: you know, I think, um, like I, for instance, I have my grandma, she's so like, I don't know how old my grandma is,
0: but. I think she's up there.
2: Shout I really out to
1: Kessa's grandma.
0: Yeah Cass's grandma. Bah, 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 bah.
2: She blows my mind about like how like quote unquote woke she is. And like she hates old people even though she's <laughs> older. It's so interesting. She's like I'm so tired of these old people. She's like how are how aren't they dead yet? And I'm like grandma you're part of them. What are you talking about? And I think she I think regardless if she agrees with, like, what we do, I think she understands that, like, it's our time as, like, younger people to become the the movement. And so I think, like, for instance, as long as you're pro, like, continuing to, like, change society and, like, understand this ongoing process regardless of if you can be part of it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, you know, even if I like, I I don't know what we're going to think at, like, 60 when, like, all these young kids running around doing crazy shit, but... I just hope I'm still with the shit, you know? That's all you can really hope for.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till the day when, like, I think that I know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, yeah, like, gender is a construct. And then my, like, Gen XYZ grandchild is, like, comes up with some other crazy thing about gender. <laughs> like, I can't wait for the thing. What I'm trying to say is I can't wait for <laughs> the things that my that I talk to my grandparents about now to seem like the old school grandparent idea to whomever is my descendant. Yeah. <laughs> also, quick shout out to my grandpa who wakes up every morning at 4 a.m., turns on the TV, Whoa. and mutters, let's see if Trump is dead yet.
1: <laughs> I love to hear it. I <laughs> <Yeah>. hear it. <laughs> wow. Okay, I've got one more question that I thought of for you guys. Um okay. which is that and I think maybe Cass has had this internal debate and I don't know if you have Megan but how do you weigh working pursuing public interest this kind of going back to the career question but pursuing a public interest job that might actually handle social issues and versus like working a job that pays you a lot of money your day-to-day tasks don't advance any social cause but you have more disposable income to support yeah. politicians fundraising that kind of thing like can that ever be justified or is that fake
2: well in a dream world i'll be able to do my public interest thing and then marry someone rich in the very there we go and then you know, <laughs> to, uh, you know also donate to the cause um as someone who like I I really do like money, I have to say, and I love the idea of living uh, luxurious. I really do, and so I struggle with this every day. Like, man, I want to be invited to the two million dollar mansion. Can I do that? Of sixty thousand a year, uh, it'll take a minute. Um, I think I've got to the point where I should do what I love, and the money will come with it. Which is a tough yeah. point to get to because I'm like, shit, $200,000 straight out of law school is, like, nuts. Like, I would love to do that. But I don't know. I mean, I think you need both people, though, because somebody got to have the um, the purse for it, you know, or the pocketbook. And I also think I would just be miserable mostly. And so the fact that I would be miserable mixed with um the taxes that's involved with it. And- <laughs> The fact that I would probably have to go to like a bigger city that is expensive. Right. I'm just like I don't know if it's worth it, and then still having to pay off loans. I'm just like, okay, maybe I can make seventy thousand, which is why shoes. I think max they will pay off your loans, and so maybe I can make seventy thousand, get my loans paid off, enjoy what I'm doing, live in a cheap city like St. Louis, and then everything will be okay. But let's just
0: hope we marry someone rich. <laughs>
1: there we go.
0: <laughs> well, unlike Cass, I am already married, so that <laughs> missed the boat on that one. <laughs> married to a public school teacher, so <laughs> all uh, all hopes and dreams of marrying a very wealthy person has gone out the window. Um, but I do feel I do feel wealthy uh, in another regard, and that is with love yes.
1: and yes. love Adam and laughs.
0: laughs. I mean, yeah, Adam Adam rules without getting mushy, like. I just love him. But um, yeah, that does kind of put me in a a more unique position because before, like when I was thinking about going to law school many, many, many years ago, I always thought, like, fuck it. I'm like a middle-class white woman. Like I could be saddled with this debt for the rest of my life and still be okay. Um, But now that I'm married and I know, like one huge piece of the puzzle is like, firmly set right like I know that I'm gonna prop like with a law degree I will make more money than my than my partner than my significant other. It changes the dialogue a little bit Um, and like that is I think that this is a really universal struggle for law students it's like you go to law school because you most I'd like to think most people go to law school because they like feel something and they're passionate and they want to make a tangible change in this world. but the reality is like I don't want to be poor and I don't want to be like yeah. strapped with debt forever and ever and ever because ideally not only would I like to have three children with my partner, but I also want to be able to like take care of my parents. You know, like I want them to not want for anything. And so, yeah, there there is this part of me that's like, Actually, I mean, this right now you're asking me at like the perfect point in time or maybe the wrong point. I don't know. But like now I'm like, okay, if I could like make $100,000 a year doing something that I felt meh about, I know that I could like pay my debts, like pay the mortgage, make sure that my family is comfortable and also have enough time to do pro bono work and like donate whenever I can. And that's something that I know that I will do no matter what so in-house for you huh absolutely not absolutely not i will never do that i could never i don't think i could ever (laughs) ever ever do that but i mean like okay here's here's my career ideal you're asking me like on june 4th 2020 i think it would be awesome to be like a contract specialist and just like get really in the nitty-gritty of like of like contract law because i love the i truly i i did not expect this but i like love the way that you could you can manipulate words to like make deals or break deals, like commas oh, being like gosh. a big deal. Evil
1: Megan is emerging. How did that Am-
0: <laughs> no, but I would I use just- it for good. I would use oh, it for okay. good. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. The commas would only be in beneficial places to society as a whole, not to corporations. <laughs> um, there we go. Right. Uh, but dang, damn, if it isn't hard, like you're making such a huge investment in yourself and in your education the temptation to like use it for personal gain is so tangible. And I will admit to you here and now that like, it is, I am tempted by this. And you're like, you're making deals with yourself. You're saying, okay, I'll work this job that like on a 40 hour a week basis means nothing to the world at large, but I can turn around and use that money for good. Um, I don't know, it's an ongoing conversation. This is a non answer and I feel like my ass is hanging out a little bit, but well it's
1: it's a I think it's a it's a kind of a good way to end because I think a question that I like would want to leave for our white audience is like, how much are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. You know? Right. Like, we are being called to sacrifice, not just to like Include people in this like wealth that we have, you know, like, yeah.
0: And and by that, you mean like, so what I'm hearing you say, like, we're being called to sacrifice and not just include people in our wealth, meaning like the sacrifice is doing the job that will be do the most good for the most people versus taking a job that will do really good for you. And then you can like manage that wealth and trickle it down to folks.
1: Oh, I, intro- I, I don't I don't know if I have like a stance on that I just think it's like um important to think about uh like it's just not enough to like donate 50 dollars a month to like the ACLU we need to be if it's if we're thinking about like positions of leadership that we want to have um maybe we shouldn't have those maybe we should support from behind other people like we should give up power you know Mm, so that doesn't always I don't know how that like impacts individual career choices but I don't know those are my I think parting words and now I'll let y'all ramble on too
0: (laughs) I think I've said enough on this topic
2: (laughs) I change my view about this often so I I keep talking it might change from what I said earlier so
1: (laughs) Or I just mean, um, like, final thoughts about, like, anything we've talked about or anything else to add to the list of what we as law students can do.
0: Well, I'll say this. If any of my especially white classmates are listening, I really, really strongly urge you to write your write a letter to administration and faculty and let them know how you feel, because, like, really, truly, this white silence is, like, deafening and maddening and we can we can do better. Um. yeah that's how I would like to <laughs> end my thoughts on the topic today
1: Cass any, anything else you'd like to say
2: no I mean I'm ready to talk about reparations that's, that's why I'm here <laughs> yeah. you know um, this is something I'm always trying to talk about so whenever y'all ready to give me the floor for rep- my idea of reparations we'll go for it um, so I'm obviously pro reparations And reparations very tricky. One of the trickiest thing is who is black? Um, Like, what is the cutoff? Like, so I'm always like, okay, like, if you pass for white, do you get reparations? Mm. You can pass. You know, if you have a white, I mean, a black great grandma, should you get reparations? Um, That's one of the trickier questions, which I honestly don't have the answer to. And, you know, you know. It's like I would like to think, well, if you don't look black, then you shouldn't get reparations because you're not treated as black. But that's problematic in itself because there are some people who just don't look black regardless of, you know, how they identify with the culture. Um, but I also think about should we hand out money or should we um, do it in another form? Like maybe like um, free education for your entire lifetime, which is something that I actually wrote my proposal for which was part of a final. Um, and the only reason I think that is because I think if you're going to give a large group of people money, you need to teach financial literacy. Hmm. Um, because I would hate to see that money just blown and put back into the, you know, the circulation of white folks and back into their communities ultimately. And so, but then I think about education, and it's just like, is that even the most effective way either? And I like to think it is, um, but You know the reality is that, like, I looked at a um, I looked at like a I don't know if you guys watch Explained on Netflix. No, what is that? Um, it's like a it's like a little TV show, but they explain different topics. So they've done everything from like sex to like um, the the wealth gap, the racial wealth gap, um, to like soccer. So they just explain like very different, like just various topics. And so they did one about the racial wealth gap, and they said that even amongst educated Black people, the reason that, you know, the gap persists is because typically educated Black people still take care of their entire family that is still, you know, like, you know, basically left behind. And so it's just like, how do you, like, what do you, how do you reconcile the fact that even the people that get educated, the Black folks that get educated, they use so much of their money trying to take care of everyone else. And so they're never, ever really, like, can really close that wealth gap, and so, I know for me, I'm very fortunate, because I have, like, you know, my parents are, you know, they're well off, so, realistically, I probably would never have to help them financially, and so, um, I'm one of the, you know, probably one of the anomalies of fortunate people, maybe not, but, and so, I think, and I'm also not a first-gen college student, like, my mom has a master's and stuff, and so, um, I think that becomes the issue with giving reparations in education, but I like to think that a lot more people would go if they didn't have to pay for it as well. But you know, I don't know. I don't know that I don't know like the studies on that or if there is a study or the numbers for that. And so, whereas I like to think that'd be a good idea. I'm also like, I want my 40 acres in a meal. like, give me that. That's hot. You know? Yeah. it's just so many... And I think land is a good idea. But then it's like... I don't know how America do that. Give us some land that you can't do anything with. Even though I don't know if that exists. But I know they would give us some, like, land in the middle of fucking nowhere that we don't know how to use. Um, and so I think the biggest issue is to, like... And then it's just, like, if America was going to give us reparations, they would damn well have to give us the entire country. And just be like, here you go. It's y'all. Like, let's be real. And so... Like, you can't just give every black person $20,000 and be like, this is your reparations. That's not enough. Right. And so that's why I think education might be the best way because $20,000 isn't a lot of money. And I feel like that's how much they would give each black person.
0: Not nearly enough. No, it's definitely
2: not enough um, for what we deserve. And so I think if we could get something like, and I know a lot of people are like, I don't want education, I want money. But it's just like, I don't know what would be enough amount of money to really do something about the gaps that you know that exist or you know living in poverty and all of that because $20,000 is not right
0: and then like it's like then the people that gave it would feel like they were off the hook Mm. and they're not no they're not especially no
2: and that's the thing so it's just like how do we give reparations and I know Congress they don't even want to get it on the like agenda like they're like But I think that's because they know if they were actually going to sit there and consider reparations, America would be fucking broke, trying to give reparations. Like, dead-ass broke. But, I mean, I think that is a good step in the right direction because, at the very least, you giving reparations means that you understand what you did wrong and you're trying to not apologize, but you're actually trying to do something to help what you did wrong. And so, I mean... It's just we're so far removed and it's just like how do you really adequately give a whole group of people reparations that you've caused 400 years of pain and oppression to and I think that's the biggest issue and so you know I wish I had the answer but I think for now I still think that education is the best way because if I could I know how many people like some of my black friends in undergrad I know a lot of them dropped out because they literally cannot afford to be there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's the main cause of dropping out or that they have to work while being in school. And, like, I've thankfully never had to work while being in school. And so I don't know what that's like. But I can only imagine that shit is terrible because I can barely keep up just sitting on my ass. Yeah. So I can only imagine having to work 40 hours a week to be able to afford your housing. And so I definitely think that would alleviate some of the... Issues around higher ed, but even like being able to go to a private school for free in high school and get the quality education, you know, that should be a thing too. And so, I just think it will open up a lot of windows, even if it doesn't do all everything. I think that is something. I think it's. I think that's more realistic for America than giving everyone a sum of money. And I think it might, at the end, do more good because, like I said, twenty. Like, I can see them giving Black people more than like thirty thousand dollars a piece, and. I don't know what you could really do with that unless you make it, unless you flip it into something and invest it. But like I said, there comes with teaching financial literacy, all that shit, which I also know they're not gonna do. So,
1: so maybe what I'm hearing and as like something that we could do as students is like when we're in school, we have this amazing social atmosphere where there's like so many smart people with like ideas and more time and space than we have in the working world to just like sit down and talk and like brainstorm. So, I mean, you saying you don't know the best idea and having, but having the strong idea is like a great start to a conversation like that. So I would add that to the list for sure. Just like talking about ideas for the future that aren't just like putting out fires now, but like building the future that we wanna see is really cool. I like that a lot. I should add that to my action point reparations. Um, yeah, I do it. Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> make school free for all
1: black people, which is not too crazy of an idea when you think about it. It's really not. They give out a lot of scholarships. Yeah. I like it. Well, I think we are going a little over. Shall we say any last thoughts?
0: You know, I just want to, Cass, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to come have this conversation with us. I have so enjoyed getting to know you over Skype. <laughs> this is like, it's I'm kind so of i to... I can't
1: introduce y'all <laughs> in real life. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I really look forward to meeting you in person someday. Um, but thank you for taking the time to, to talk to us and to our uh, listeners. Did we mention we crossed 5,000 downloads?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we don't have five thousand listeners, but there are at least five <laughs> people who've downloaded a thousand times. <laughs> so thank you. Um but yeah, thanks so much, Cass. No, this has been yeah, great yes. Anytime you want America. me back, I don't know if that's gonna be me yes. <laughs>
1: you No, know, I love podcasts, so amazing. Excellent. Cass, I miss you. I hope to see you in person soon.
2: You're in St. Louis, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I got it. Assuming you don't have corona,
1: um, yeah. We could social distance hang in power group Park. That's true. Yeah, let's do that soon. Yes. Okay, excellent. Well, farewell to all. (laughs) Farewell to all. (laughs) All right, bye, team, I guess. See (laughs) you next
2: time. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.